You sending the whoop? Shit, that's all you had to say. Get away from her, you bitch. Banana. Fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory. You're not even interesting enough to make me sick. It's only an island if you look at it from the water. I'm your density. You think I'm gorgeous? You want to kiss? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sending the Wolf. My name is Clark Wolf. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, we have a really great episode today. It's a little something, something a little different, uh, but it's it's very much in line with everything that we have been doing. My guest today is Todd Stashwick. Todd Stashwick is an actor and a writer, someone you definitely have seen before. Uh, he has been a working actor for decades, and uh, I met him on the show Twelve Monkeys. So um, you'll hear a little bit more in the podcast. But when I was asked by Terry Metalis, who created the show 12 Monkeys to uh, host a podcast, um, uh, the official after show podcast for his show 12 Monkeys, that's where I first met Todd. And he and I stayed in touch and, um, you know, have have become friends and um, it was a thrill for me to get to have him on the show talking about Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Uh, and and it's sort of a little promotional episode because Todd is playing Dr. Draken in the live action Kim Possible movie, which is premiering on the Disney Channel this Friday, February 15th. Um, I'm super excited about this. So at the end of the podcast, there is a story that ties directly, that ties me directly into the Kim Possible movie and Todd it's a it's a it's crazy story that is super exciting and uh and I I'm excited for the world to hear it for you guys to hear it um we're talking about Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid although Todd very much wanted to talk about Star Wars and I told him no it's been done and then he wanted to talk about the Wizard of Oz and I said no that's also been done um two episodes where if you haven't listened to him yet go listen to him but we landed on Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. And um, this was a bigger conversation about lots of pop culture, about Westerns, about the time period that these movies were being made, about the cool factor, not only of these characters and of William Goldman's script and um, and the direction, but of the two leads, um, of course, and Catherine Ross there as their supporting character. So it's a really, really fun chat. Um, and we, at the end of the pod, we give a little shout out to Meg Ryan. You'll see why. And, um, a little heads up, if you are a fan of Meg Ryan, I have an episode on When Harry Met Sally coming um, where we continue to sing her praises. She is definitely underappreciated, I think, in what she is capable of doing. But with all of that being said, um, here, I- I'm going to stop talking. It's a longer episode. Don't miss Kim Possible this Friday, February 15th. You can see um, Todd Stashwick as Dr. Draken. And my friend Josh Kagan is one of the writers. So yay to all involved. Alrighty, friends, here we go. It is uh, Todd Stashwick talking about Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Here we are. Here we are. No, you're 
good. You're good. Okay. Um, so I want to start by, and it's not, we're not, I'm not going to interview you. Okay. No. So don't, don't just That's put your good. actor britches away. I don't have I'm actor teasing. britches. Um, so I want to start by saying that we, we, I've wanted to have you on the show for a while. So thank you for, for giving me, me a, an hour of your time. My pleasure. And um, we, we were kind of going back and forth on, on what <laughs> movies to do. And it was so funny because in less than 40 episodes, two of your picks were already taken. Well, they're low hanging fruit. Well, but still. But look around my room. So yes. There's obvious reasons we, why I chose. I am in your lovely office yeah. and uh, yes, Star Wars aplenty. Yeah. Um, but you said, so we're talking, the movie you ended up landing on was Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yes. Um, but before we started rolling, you said that you were doing a Star Wars D&D game. No. Oh, tell me. I was working on, uh, I was co-writing a Star Wars video game. Oh, I didn't realize that. For EA, uh, for three years, actually, with Visceral. Um, and part of the research for doing that is, you know, you want to go back into films that in many ways probably informed uh, Star Wars um, and ch- kind of touch base to the to the source of what George Lucas uh, was kind of intending and then looking at character relationships and just great films of the 70s and and uh, what year did this come out? 73? I think oh that sounds right we can look it up I was doing I can. a little can see it's a race who's going to get there first I was doing a little bit of research on this one 69 yeah okay so I was one years old yeah. when this wow. film came out okay born in 68 alright yes and uh, and so uh, I did a deep dive on Butch. It was always you know one of my favorite films uh, back in the day, and uh, I was recently had to revisit it and and scrutinize it a little more mm. and just realize what a just a fantastic piece of cinema it is, as well as um, it was just brought into my brain recently because of the passing of William Goldman. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, we have done on this show uh, All the President's Men, um, but that's, I think that's the extent of the William Goldman that we've done. Princess Bride, but it's not on the list. Uh, It's on, well, it's on the the secondary. It's on the secondary, that's right. So that's the sneaky way. The sneaky way that people Um, But yeah, you know, so um, I grew up on a lot of, um, you know, older music, and and so, my dad showed me Princess Bride and Young Frankenstein and the, I like how Princess Bride is an older film. Too. Well, <laughs> it, yes. Well, I saw that film as an adult. That I want to say Princess Bride came out the year I was born, which is eighty six. Yeah, I wasn't an adult. I was graduating high school. Okay. So and uh, it, but but he showed me things specifically, but this was not one, and I have never like westerns. You have not seen Butch and Sunday. I saw it w- when I first moved to L.A. Uh-huh. I watched it, and I will tell you that I remembered very little. Uh-huh. And then when I rewatched it for this, uh-huh. it was um, you know something I always encourage my audience to do, or or people who say or think that they're fans of film or cinema, yeah. is your sometimes your age and your location in your life it changes the way that you react and for me I um yeah I really when rewatching it just yesterday um I really responded to this movie in a way that I didn't expect to respond to it it's it's and it it, and and when you look at it and you realize how many things it influenced going forward well obviously the sting came out after yes 
and it's just because of the solid chemistry between these two actors. And then you look at the archetype that was set up. Uh, it's it's what Clooney and Brad Pitt are doing. Absolutely. In Ocean's Eleven, and and it's it is such a uh, an indelible. Uh, dynamic between those two characters yeah. that that you find it repeated in cinema going forward. Yeah, it's um, you know, I was really not only was I struck by their chemistry because I think that even if you uh grow up you know, just knowing anything about film or pop culture, you know about Redford and, and Newman, um yeah. Newman. You know, yeah. that's like a thing. I mean, well, uh, Redford named his production company and his film festival yes. after it. Yes. So it obviously changed his life. Uh tremendously too it's just we hear the term sundance so much Mm -hmm. and it now has is kind of transmogrified into a whole other thing Mm -hmm. in hollywood but then you go you trace it back to the source and you're like oh right and it's because of this film and these characters and 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 how much this film changed uh filmmaking yeah Yeah. there there was a there there this movie to me is undeniably um cool it's so cool like it's really cool cool. and and i don't even mean like there are some iconic films that i feel like are cool to guys you know what i mean and uh and there are movies that i can watch and i can be like yeah i get it but i don't have that reaction no yeah yeah, sure um but watching this one and the way it's shot and the way that they are cool is just like man yeah you can't you you can't manufacture that. That is just, and both of those men are uh, cool in very specific, distinct ways. They're aspirational. Yeah, They're both aspirational, uh, and <clears throat> I think one of the coolest things about it is they took this period piece and then just made the dialogue so natural and anachronistic. Yeah. Um, and and even the filmmaking, which wasn't shot like a standard period piece, was very handheld in spots and using that uh, the B.J. Thomas song mm-hmm. iconographically. Uh, it, it just was doing something that n- nobody else was doing at the time. I think having the confidence to stop and say, now we're going to do this is, is something that is, you know, like I, it's something that's really hard to pull off. And especially when you're talking about a Western, which is a very, uh, Old school, yeah. you know, very massive. with tropes. I, I, yes, tropes. But they didn't lean into. They they leaned against it. You've never seen like they're just they're. That was the other thing is that the charming antihero was not that big in '69. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't have a lot of them, and so and then you had tons of them yeah. afterwards, Han Solo and and whatnot. Um, you, you, it, it became a thing that people wanted to see more and more and more, yeah. And more of. Yeah. And I think too, it takes um, the right actors to to be able to find. I mean, this is a wonderful script. Obviously, yeah. the the lines are endlessly yeah. quotable. It's it, the script is cool. You're playing outlaws. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. But it takes the right performers to find the smaller moments, the sensitive moments, the um. You know the the loving moments, whether it's with um, Catherine Ross's character mm-hmm. or whether it's with each other, yeah. and and I think that 
that whole combination mixed with the way that um, George Roy Hill mm-hmm. shoots, like like the, the one that is standing, is leaping out to me is Etta's outside mm-hmm. talking to um, to Sundance and Butch is in the window yeah. pane and yeah. they're having, like they're playing out the scene just like that, but you can see everything that's going on. It's yeah. just such a cool... I, that, that shot to me was like, man, who thinks of like that's that's who's, who's the DP on that? Film? Oh, that I don't that I don't know, but I did read that off the top of my head. Conrad Hall, and allegedly he was the one on the bicycle uh, that oh really that goes through the fence. Oh, so apparently funny. Newman did every all of it except for when that's it goes funny. through the fence. That's funny. Yeah, um, yeah. I I uh, the, the the way the 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 film would would stop and play out very human comedic moments. One of my favorite scenes is uh, is when they're arguing with Woodcock, and he's like, "I work for E H." Uh, yes, yes. And he's like, "He's like, Are you he wouldn't die for you. <laughs> just come on." And and trying to just coax him out of the the train, and just they're just so reasonable. Yeah. And they're like, "Your boss is a bandit." We're just just some working stiffs, our hole in the wall gang, trying to get th- got by. So d- don't be a casualty in this situation. Yeah. But but it's just they're like their neighbors arguing over the fence. Right. It's just fantastic. So can you tell me the first time that you saw this movie? It might have been when I was in college. Okay. It might have been. Um. So it was long enough ago that I don't have the. It it like like this thing has lived with me. I've just been living with it and it's always been around. So I probably even saw it in the seventies when I was a kid okay. when ABC or NBC would be airing this stuff. And then they did a, uh, an early years with Tom Berenger and William Cat. <laughs> they did Butch and Sundance the year. So there were like spinoffs or yeah. remakes or whatever. So it's always been kind of in the body politic for mm-hmm. me, uh, the zeitgeist. Um, so I don't remember the first time that I saw uh-huh. it. I just have always had it. Yeah. Because literally I was one years old when the film came out. So it's been around as long as I've been around. Sure. So, you know, there's a lot of those films, French Connection and whatnot, that have just kind of always been there, Jaws. Yeah. Uh, although I can remember Jaws coming out. Okay. I remember being old enough and, and, and like... Because it was the first blockbuster. Yes. I don't want to get us off on a tangent. but No, uh, it's okay. We just did Jaws yes, on the did. show. Oh, who was your... Uh, uh, her producer? name's Blair Bercy, and she's a producer, a podcast producer. And she's awesome. And I was I really glad to, she picked this I got to sit one. next to... I was at a con uh, or a comic book thing, and I sat next to Carl Gottlieb oh, the whole day. Amazing. Uh, and my favorite... Uh, I was listening to a podcast of his, and somebody said, well, in your spare time, what do you write? He's like, nothing. I'm a professional writer, so pay me. I'll write you something. Yes. In the meantime, he's like, plumbers don't plumb when they're not. (laughs) So that was a really interesting perspective because there's this whole kind of idea of artists need to always be creating. I'm like, well, or you're putting back and resting and living your life. Yes. But uh, back to Butch and Sunday. 
Yes. Uh, you had the question of when I first saw it. Uh, I couldn't tell you. Well, that's fair. Yeah. Can I tell you a, can I go back to Carl Gottlieb for a second? Please. Okay. So uh, this is, like I said, it's loosey goosey. Yeah. Um, okay. My, a friend of mine, Buzz, he, okay, let's back up even more. A bunch of nerds that I know yeah. do a horror trivia game once a month. Uh, and uh, it's a huge thing. Like there's a waiting list. There's a hundred people that show up, teams, the whole deal. I don't go because it's, it's so sweaty and minutiae sure. like that I'm just like, yeah, okay, yeah, I can't. Yeah. I can't. Can, this, buttons on the shirt. It, oh. Exactly. But that said, there was a question about, uh, there was a question about Jaws. And the question was, what flavor ice cream does Michael ask for in the hospital? And uh, the answer is coffee. And um, so, but Buzz and a handful of other people challenged challenged the answer and said, he's not asking for ice cream, he's asking for coffee. Oh, and and I was like, that's ridiculous. That is, that's, it, he's clearly asking for coffee ice cream. And apparently this is a huge debate that is raging on Reddit and on the internet. Okay, so Buzz, and I love Buzz, but he is a stubborn motherfucker. Sure, sure, sure. And so he was like, I am gonna prove that I am right. He actually emailed Carl Gottlieb. He found somehow yeah, yeah. found a way to get a yeah. hold of him, sent an email and said, please settle a discussion for me. And he wrote back and, and said, he's absolutely asking for coffee ice cream. Like there's no debate about this. And so Buzz had to eat his humble pie and stood up in front of the entire wow. horror trivia crew and read Carl Gottlieb's email. That's genius. So settling the score That's for like, any listeners out there. Yes, yes. But I thought that that, it's just like, it's crazy. Yes. You know, legends are just next to, just an email like away. Hall where he's like, I have right here. Yes, exactly, yeah, yeah. It's exactly. Well, let's talk about, you know, what was happening in film at the time, right? Because, you know, you were saying how, how as you were doing this research for the Star Wars game, yes. you know, you did revisit Butch, Butch and Sundance. Yeah. So what, what was the thinking behind that? Because like you mentioned already, the Han Solo, the anti-hero, or, yeah. you know, the lovable, you know, yeah. anti-hero. But like, what, how did your mind get from point A to point B? Because I, if I'm being honest, that is not a connection that I would have ever made. Yeah, I think, uh, well, when you're looking at, uh, at uh, Star Wars and you're, and you're looking at the pieces that influence, I think somewhere there's, there's, and they may have even shared it with us, the films that influenced mm. Lucas when he made it. Mm -hmm. And Searchers is a big one, Captain Blood, uh, Dam Busters, and I believe uh, this was on their list. Uh -huh. And so uh, so just to, to try and put yourself in the headspace of the man who created the franchise that you're now creating a game of, yeah. you go, okay, well, let's look at, you know, Kurosawa, Seven Samurai, like, let, let, let's look at the things that influenced the man to make this in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so, and then looking at, you know, I just got pingled. Uh, <laughs> Blowing up. Um, uh, the uh, looking at uh, you'll cut this air out. I'm sure. I'm posting. Um, looking at uh, Star Wars is so much. Uh, the, the 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 relationships are very banter driven, and they're super casual up against these extraordinary circumstances. Sure, and, sure. And you see that in spades. Uh, uh, like men are are robbing trains on horseback, which is an extraordinary circumstance, and yet 
the relationship between them is is super uh, banal in in a good way. Like it's super casual and super bantery. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and Butch and Sundance have some of the most quotable. Oh yeah. Quotable moments. Like it has some of the best lines in the film history. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the. Um, I was thinking about the villains in Butch and Sundance. Yeah. And how we don't spend any time with them. And we don't and it's the choice to hang out with these characters for two hours. Well, if you don't my feeling is uh they're Okay, if you if if you break down the film. Yeah. I you need to see the protagonists as just that, in even though they're the ones robbing mm-hmm. and what and, and actually Butch admits at the end this first time he shot someone yeah um uh so so they're not killers except actually sundance is. yes he's a, he's a dead shot um but the villains i don't think they aren't people they're metaphors they're, yeah they're death coming for the price of your sins mm-hmm. and a relentless you can't outrun them that man in the white hat is St. Peter calling you home and it just doesn't, and you can try and get away. Uh, you can try and run and it's just, it's relentless. Mm-hmm. So it's more of, and the way they positioned it, it's more of a, a force of nature and less a person. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That posse is is like, yeah, are there people that hired these people? Yes, the railroad guy hired this posse to find him. But that's all circumstantial, I think, because it's more about the metaphor, which yeah. is why not having a really firm look on the face of the people chasing them, not really having um, dames and backgrounds and whatnot. You just know the circumstances. You know that it's bad if they get to our mm-hmm. heroes. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. It's like a shark in the water. It is. It is like a shark in the water. Well, and also, I mean, I kind of like the... Uh, like. It's interesting watching them try and go straight because because I think we're supposed to know that this is doomed from the start. And uh, and and they're doing the thing that's crazy, though, is that it's hard because they're not we get to know them. They're not bad guys, except for they're breaking the law. They're breaking the law. That's right. And they're not out to inflict harm or damage, but they're breaking the law. And that's their job is to break the law. That's how they make a living. Yes. Now, do you think uh, so? Let's talk the scene uh, early when um when butch gets challenged for like control of the gang yeah, harvey i believe that is harvey's charge <laughs> that is to me uh, the the han solo of it all would you agree yeah yeah, yeah i mean like it, it's funny because because and i think han is actually a uh he's a hybrid of both characters mm-hmm. uh because when loquacious Luke is around, Han doesn't talk much. Mm-hmm. Or, and Leia is a motor mouth too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Han will often kind of become Sundance. But when he's in charge, it's Jabba, boom, boom, and he's doing his soft shoe, and he's doing all the things, and, he, and, he's, and he's talking to Greedo, I don't have it on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, he's, he's butch. So I think he's, he's kind of a, a combination of the two, yeah. very much, but and it's easier to see when he's talking sure. like like oh you know Redford was originally uh, 
given the script to read for Butch. Oh, interesting. And he didn't respond to it. He's like, this isn't, this isn't me. Yeah. I'm not the fast talker. Right. Uh, I would rather play the kind of the laconic laid back mm-hmm. uh, sharpshooter who's just sort of tossing barbs quietly off to the side and they're just fantastic i love the um this is going to sound silly obviously robert redford is a sex symbol and he's an iconic (laughs) handsome attractive person but he's like to for my money one of the only attractive men ever to have a mustache (laughs) because (laughs) that's a different kind of mustache i I mean i mean it's the same era really that to me is uh the 1800s no i mean i'm uh, teasing the 70s. I mean, so for me, the uh, Sundance stash yeah. is like, it's different than sure. the than the Reynolds stash. Yeah. Um, but I was noticing how, I was noticing his bright blonde hair yep. so much. And it's hard to miss. And it sounds like a silly thing to point out. But to me, this like, um, I was thinking a full grown man who's dangerous yeah. with a head of bright blonde hair. Like it's it's actually uh, just goes to show, I think, why Redford is like the complete package in so many ways. Yes. Blonde hair, blue eyed, you know, and yet he is a dead shot. You dead know, shot. Yeah. it's it's great. Yeah. It's so good. And, um, you know, the two of them, yeah, and the two of them together, their their chemistry is great. Well, I want to talk also about Catherine Ross. Let's. Um, because I am on a Catherine Ross kick right now. Oh, yeah? I just rewatched um, Stepford Wives. Okay. And, you know, in the, in is the. She, who's, who's she married to? I don't know. I, I think. It's it's actually like oh wow yeah that's crazy that's inter- that's you, interesting you, you, you talk yeah and I will find that out okay well while we're looking that up um yeah I think that so I just rewatched the Stepford Wives and when it comes to you know Ira Levin adaptations of course we always think about Rosemary's Baby um, but I think that Stepford Stan Elliott, are they still married? Oh, he died, right? No, he's still oh. alive. They've been married since 1984. Who am I thinking of? It's the other... Uh, I completely derailed you. No, that's okay. They're, they're a very famous... Sam Shepard. Sam Shepard. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Um, So, but but with her, with Catherine Ross, I um, she's obviously a gorgeous woman. She she the the screen, the camera loves her face, her features, um, and but she is so and 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 it's interesting here and in the Graduate, there's very little talking Uh that she does, Uh and so you'd think, um, yeah, pretty face for the time, you know, like whatever. She she served. The character itself yes. serves um, uh, one of my favorite functions in uh, adventure stories, which is the tag-along becomes essential. Mm-hmm. And it feels like they're just that. You're just like, they're, why are they here? Why are they here? Mm-hmm. Why are they here? Oh, it's because she's the only one that speaks Spanish. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you look at, again, going back to Star Wars, which, which uh, you go... Take Return of the Jedi. It's like three PO, three PO, three PO. Oh, the Ewoks think he's a god, so he can actually turn the tables for our hero. Mm-hmm. So she, like that was. It's such a fascinating function in the story where she represents potential normalcy, like mm-hmm. let's settle down, mm-hmm. like this. Uh, but in order for them to rob banks. In Bolivia, they need to speak Spanish. Yes. And she's the one who knows. And they even, and then the minute she does that, she starts dressing like them. Mm Mm-hmm. So she puts on the clothes of the outlaw. Yeah. Because she's assisting the outlaw. Yeah. 
It's amazing. Yeah, and she, um, you know, there, there. It was interesting re- on upon rewatch uh, the scenes that the music plays over when yeah. they go to New York, yeah. um, because I found myself being like, oh, I want to see those scenes. Like I see them talking. Yeah. I see them, and of course, this movie is famous for its dialogue. But like she in particular is laughing and lighting up and engaging in conversation and drinking and is part of when they go to the bank. Like she's clearly an accessory or yes. she's like part of the yes. part of the thing. And and I having she's watched and to take it back to Stepford Wives, she is the lead in Stepford yeah. Wives. And getting to see her talk and act and play and 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 have the direction, ha- take the charge. She drives, the she drives that story. And she's so good yeah. that it, she, in ways she doesn't get to show I in The Graduate. The it is, I mean, listen, again, everyone's always going to point to Rosemary's Baby. They're, they're sure. dealing with very similar themes. Sure. However, Stepford Wives is insidious in uh-huh, a way uh-huh. of and it's and it's more science fiction yeah, in a yeah, way yeah, yeah. um but it is such it, yeah, except it, I think it sustains a feature. Yeah. Um and uh, but anyway, the point is knowing what I know she is capable of and seeing those scenes yeah. in particular. It was the get out of its day. Uh Stepford Wives. Yes, yes. and Jordan uh, Jordan has said those words yes. exactly yes. that yes. Stepford Wives is very much yeah. an influence on yeah. Get Out. Yeah. But um but yeah, I would have loved to have seen her get to be our Leia for lack of a better term, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it just wasn't the movie that they were trying to make, and I get that. Um, but it was disappointing to I me. I can see. I can see, especially when in those days when you're scanning for better uh for lack of a better word, action films, mm-hmm. uh, you didn't have representation. Right. And it, it almost took till 77 till Leia steps up. And even then, like, she's she's the odd one out. Mm-hmm. Like, you go, man, Leia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not until uh, more recently that we've actually gone, no, let's have six women in this. Like right. So, yeah, she, so you can see, again, Lucas is going, okay, I kind of see what they were starting to do. You have these two, you have a blonde hair, uh, and you have a dark haired guy, and there are a couple of scoundrels, and they're up against, and, and then you have this woman in the middle of it to be the voice of reason at yeah. times. Uh, and so, again, why would one look at that when working on a Star Wars thing? It's like, well, the blueprints are there. Yeah. Yeah. And they're both genre films and there's so much of Star Wars. That's a Western. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. for sure. It's So where do you stand on bigger uh, the Westerns in general? I really enjoy them. Um, I've seen... I've seen the more recent ones, obviously, like Tombstone and... Uh, Unforgiven. Unforgiven and... Um, uh, I do really like uh, I like the the Eastwood the Outlaw Josie Wales mm. ones and I like uh, Fistful of Dollars mm-hmm. and a few dollars more and all of those Good the Bad the Ugly uh, I really enjoy I really enjoy the genre it's it's one of those I it's like the police to me the man the police I'm like when I stop uh, and I go oh wait a minute yeah I I actually do love the police I never bought a police album growing up but I went and just saw this as an adult man. I saw them in concert and knew the words to every song. Uh-huh. Like they've always been. There. Yes. And Westerns for me have always been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to act in one 
I was cut out of. Oh, no. Uh, the whole side story that I was in got cut, which was a film called uh, Jane Got a Gun. Yeah, and yeah. And so I spent, I spent over a month in Santa Fe. Wow. New Mexico riding horses and shooting uh, guns. Oh, my gosh. How was that? Amazing. It was amazing. It was like, again, it's like those, those kind of, I'm not going to say boy dreams come true. I'm just saying childhood dreams come mm-hmm. true because... Uh, it's like they're going back to it's cool. It's very cool. Yeah, I can only imagine that getting to be a cowboy is <sighs> is like. And I was a villain too. Uh... I, was, I, was, I was part of. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, I was part of Ewan McGregor's gang, and so it was me and Boyd Holbrook and uh, Rodrigo Santoro. Yes, yes, uh, yes. We were all part of that posse. Wow. Just literally riding, trailblazing, riding horses up and down arroyos and sunsets and Ugh. galloping in to, to storm a, a settlement. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. Really cool. I, you know what's funny, actually? As you talk, because I am not, uh, my listeners know, I'm not a fan of Westerns. I think it's because I didn't grow up on them in <sighs> any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Like, my dad didn't, wasn't, it's not that my dad, he'll, if... um. Gunsmoke is on TV. Even now, he'll stop and be like, "Look, Sam Peckinpah directed this yeah. one," you know, or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, "Cool," but right. but he was never like, "Let me show you Clint Eastwood," or "Let sure, me show sure, you sure, the sure. man who shot Liberty he Valance." Didn't, he didn't school you on Shane, right? Yes. That's right. But so so for me now, as an adult, you know, I can appreciate the way you appreciate sure i mean yeah i think that if you love um if you love a medium of filmmaking if you love film i don't see how you can't at least acknowledge the importance of the western but that said it doesn't mean that i enjoy them no you don't seek them out correct but uh now that hearing you talk like if i could be in a western Oh man, so much fun. That that's like, well, like that's pretty cool. Magnificent Seven, like there's some really deeply entertaining uh, Once Upon a Time in the West, mm-hmm. deeply entertaining uh, Western yes. out there, and then there's some that just drag on and on and on and on. And on. Uh, but uh, but all like the the John Ford ones mm-hmm. and, and like Red River and John Wayne ones. There's some a amazing. Uh, documenting of American landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, B, there's just some really good stories yeah. that are being told in spite of them being Westerns. And I, and it, it's funny because I think of, I think when I think of Butch and Sundance, oh, right, that's a Western. Right. It's not a buddy film. Yes. Oh, it is a buddy film, but it's also a Western. Yeah. And I think because it was written with such a modern sensibility. Mm-hmm. Um for the time, anyway, it it wasn't trying to be this precious period piece. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I I think that the the um uh, the last western I saw that was new that I really liked was um three ten to Yuma. So good. The the remake I like a lot. Yeah. I think it's really cool yeah. and fun and yeah. action packed and you understand. You know that was another. That's another thing. Like the, the I think because of the time. 
either the characters serve more as metaphors or, um, you know, it, it's, it's assumed that you're speaking to an audience that understands, you know, either the American dream or this version of masculinity yep. or whatever it is. And so for me going back, it's very hard to understand the motivations. Yes. Um, but, but now as we're revisiting West, the Western genre, yep. the, the, I think we are paying more attention to the characters and those developments. And, and I like that. Yeah. And, and 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 again, I think that Butch and Sundance, in many yes. ways, kicked that off. Yes. Where it became it's it's an existential movie. Yes. It's about the price of our choices and who we are and who we wish to be. And like they don't find out each other's names, right? Until way late into their relationship. Yeah. Which is so the the the, the hole in the wall gang and the character of Butch Cassidy isn't even his name. And the Sundance Kid, like, these were fictions that were created so that these men could hide behind them mm-hmm. and do what they had to do. They were masks they right. were putting on so that they could do things and, and, and steal and rob people and point guns at their faces yeah. and, and do things that, that men should not do. Right. Um, and so they created these alter egos. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. The Dread Pirate Roberts. Dread Pirate Roberts. I mean, it's kind of like... Back to Princess Bride. Yeah, it all comes back uh, to... I was I was listening to Carrie Elwes's book, um, yeah. uh, the As You Wish, and oh, it's, a, it's a great um, audio book, yeah. and uh, listening to it being read by Carrie, by Rob Reiner, by Robin Wright, like, it's a it's a fun audio book. Like, and But they talked about William Goldman, and they talked about how... He was a very nervous person and he felt as though, uh, not to say that he didn't like the adaptations of his work, but that the princess bride was, was the only one that he really loved. And, um, you know, I don't know if it's because it is a, uh, we've talked about the book. You've read the book, right? The princess bride, or maybe you haven't. Okay. Well, the book, the princess bride is the movie well, and the movie is the book yeah. and and it is i mean truly like i would argue i have not seen and read all of the book to film sure, adaptations sure, sure. in the world but it is to me like the perfect adaptation Fight and club is that for me okay yeah. there you go so so i guess for goldman the idea you know like i'm sure because there is there are artistic directorial yep. flourishes yes. in yeah. bush cassidy yeah. and the sundance kid yes. and so that to me is fascinating he, you, he did i'm sorry i cut you off yeah please he did uh choose because he had read a book on these guys mm-hmm. and he chose to do it as a screenplay only mm-hmm. he never wrote a book that, that they based the screenplay on. right so this was written directly yes. for the screen yes um and then the film obviously has sort of French New Wave influence, and, and which like all those cats, which all those American cats were trying to yes. emulate again, Star Wars, like Truffaut and and all of the Godard, they were influencing American filmmaking, kind of starting around that time. So all those, all those young lions that were at USC or yep. wherever they were at film school, uh, the Scorseses of the world and the Coppolas, they were eating all this stuff up, and George Roy Hill was just kind of at the beginning of that wave. Uh, and it even is, there's even stuff in the sting where, where like 
he'll pan up and find something in a very loose kind of almost like through a through a like a sniper scope mm. where you're locating something in a very handheld way that was like just people weren't doing that in western yeah they just weren't yeah yeah lock the camera down taking the vista uh, is it was kind of the john ford way of doing it and there once you once you take the uh camera off the sticks and go handheld it, it immediately lends to the intimacy of a moment yes uh, because it, it is jangly and loose. I think too, you know, it just, you, as you was listening, I was listening to you talk, it kind of took me, but earlier in the conversation, we were saying that they're, they're just, Butch and Sundance are just cool, you know? Yeah. And and these guys are, are movie stars and they just, they look, but there is a softness to them. Oh, they're super gentle. Like the scene, when they blow the door, on the train, mm-hmm. the first thing Butch does is go to see if Woodcock's okay. Right, right. And you just go, "What is happening?" Yeah. It like it. It's so disarming uh, that this guy he doesn't want. And then you find out at the end he's never shot a person. Um. So just watching him, Woodcock, Woodcock, and he sits him up, and he's like, he's brushing him off, and he's like saying, like, "This wasn't worth this." Mm-hmm. It's like. Let's make sure that he's okay. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's the uh, but it's cool because like when you think about I I can Im- I can imagine that at the time the Hollywood type the Hollywood movie star stepping into this type of a movie with this type of dialogue yeah. and these types of characters might have been unsettling for some people. Yeah, I mean, yes. But Newman came from New York State. Totally. And he came from Tennessee Williams. And he came from a, a place where men are super multidimensional on stage. Yeah. Um, and so there was always sort of a natural tenderness to his... He's the boss. I think in all of American film, I think he is the finest American male movie star. Yeah. Paul Newman. Like, it's hard to find, other than Redford, which yeah. would be your close second. And then I think your third has to be uh, Harrison Ford. Mm. Like, in terms of, like, aspirational, sensitive, uh, but can handle the action, can handle the comedy, can handle the drama. They're not disappear into the role actors. Right. That None of them. Right. They all play just very very subtle reflections of their own persona but we love that persona yeah you know yeah and you know without without newman you never would have had indiana jones totally um and and to some extent humphrey bogart a little Mm -hmm. bit because i mean he certainly was super vulnerable in casablanca Mm -hmm. but he also uh paul newman man yeah (laughs) paul newman yeah He's he's a cool dude. He's a cool dude. Cool, yeah. uh, so okay, before or before we move on to it's the next, the title. yeah, <laughs> how can you argue? Yes. You can't argue. Yeah. Um, before we move on to the next thing, is there anything else about uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid that you wanna say that we didn't cover? Well, let's at least highlight some of our favorite lines. Oh God, I couldn't quote them. Oh. I couldn't quote them, but there were so many. But you you take the yeah, lead. Well, I, oh, there's uh, when they're about to jump off. He's like. I, I even like remarked, he's like, uh, would you make a jump like that if you wouldn't have to do it? He's like, I have to do it and I'm not gonna. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, uh, 
at the end when he says, uh, when they're when they're in Bolivia and they're loading the guns and they're talking, he's like, "You're right. No time for bravery. You go first. Yes. Like just just genius, just quippy, beautiful. Uh, oh, they just make me laugh. Yeah, William Goldman is, um, you know, he he was a, I I mean, he to me is a one of a kind. And also the idea that he did write novels and screenplays. Well, Goldman, to to this day, he, uh, one of the rules of screenwriting that he, uh, that he purports, uh, I subscribe to 100% as a writer myself. And that is the last thing you do is the dialogue. Ah, mm-hmm. tell your story. If the story doesn't work without dialogue, it doesn't work. So you have to, it's moving pictures. So you have to be able to tell the story in images and the audience has to see kind of what's going on just visually. That way, when you get in there and write your dialogue, you get to kind of dance in the sunbeam and it doesn't necessarily have to be about what they're doing yeah. or, or uh, you can play there. And so, that that clearly shows that he's worked the math out of his story really uh, like airtight so then he gets to get in there and be a poet mm. yeah yeah i am william goldman r.i.p what a loss but good good thing is he left behind such a legacy like there's it's yeah. It, yeah. it's amazing what he accomplished he made he wrote north <laughs> i mean <laughs> They're not all with silent there's, gondoliers. There's rumor, I don't believe it, but there's rumor that, uh, and I don't believe it. There was rumor that he did the final pass on Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting. Yes. What I heard was, actually, what he did is he read their draft, and I guess part of their draft had gone off into like born identity, like oh. like they use it to thwart the government, they the code breaking skills and whatnot, and and then Williams like just looked at their script and goes, no, this, your first act is your whole movie. Mm. So just stick that, just make it about the people. Whether that's true, that could be apocryphal as well. But uh, he certainly uh, was there to consult and advise Mm -hmm. uh, on the next generation of filmmakers. We should, we should, they should be so lucky. That's, uh, I know. that's a pretty good, that's yep. a pretty good get. Yep. Um, all right. The closing shot of Butch and Sunday. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, that is gorgeous. They're forever alive in history. Yeah. He froze it, not of them dying, but of them living. Yeah. Genius. And I didn't realize, it sounds silly, but I mean, I knew froze on that image, like I even before I rewatched and you it. Hear, but then you hear the and ball. you hear the thing, I knew that. Um, but I didn't realize how far the pull back went. And that picture. That that picture is just gorgeous. That's amazing. It's really so and the oh yeah, it's um it's really, really, really cool. Yes. It's cool. So man. watch it if you haven't seen yes. it, folks. Watch it. It's and totally it's no worth spoiler it. Spoiler to say that, you know, this is, you know, these these were people that got killed in uh, a I mean, very yes. violent way. I guess. But he didn't show it, so he we get to live with them in their their togetherness and their joy eternally. And you know, the moment he left. We saw them get out of it earlier. You know what I mean? Like that was something I noticed was was earlier in the movie, 
they're they're in a back against the wall. That's right, yeah. and they get out. Yeah, and they get out. Now, yeah. I think that we are led to believe that they yeah. did not get out. But I also like the idea of kind of telling the audience they did it once. Um, it's a it's not what I think the intention is, but it's, it's a suicide a, mission. It, yeah. it is a suicide mission. They're but gonna, it's a, well, they even make plans. We're, let's go to Australia. Exactly. Like like they make plans. Yeah, they 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 at least try to buoy the other that we're going to get out of yep. this. Even though I think they both know they're not. Absolutely. It's beautiful. Yes, it's, it's very cool. Oh, I, and them like being forced to be on the same horse. Yes. At one, oh, yes. Come on. Yeah. Come on. It's, so, it's good. So good. Okay. okay, so everybody gets to pick a movie that's not on the list. Yes. That they would add to the list. Yes. Uh, so do you know what your addition is? Yes. Okay, lay it on me. It is Joe versus the Volcano. Oh my God, great choice. Yes. Great choice. Yes. Tell me why, aside from it being a great choice. You look like shit, Mr. <laughs> Wattori. You look like a bag of shit stuffed in a cheap suit. Not that anyone can look good under these zombie lights. They suck the life out of you. I should have killed you. Yeah, I should have quit this place years ago instead. I sold my soul for what? For a few pieces of silver. Dee Dee. Yeah? <laughs> Have dinner with me. Yeah, okay. That's <laughs> oh, so good. I love Joe versus the Volcano. Tell me, I mean, did, it, did, when, did you see it in the theater? Yeah. Were you ready? You were... I think it was 89. I don't know. Well, it was the first film. Well, Spielberg uh, let Shanley direct it. So mm -hmm. it was the first film... Uh, that was directed by John Patrick Shanley. I did see it in the movie theater. It was post uh, Sleepless in Seattle, mm -hmm. so so the world was like, oh, good, look, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan are on screen again. And this was an art house oh, weird yeah. film that they tried to market as the next Sleepless in Seattle, and so mainstream audiences went to it and went, what is happening? Yeah. What is happening? And it's just, it's just bonkers. Um, there's there's so many moments in it, and so much visual. It's theater on stage. My dream, and if anybody listening wants to help me, is to turn it into a Broadway musical. Oh God! It lends itself. Nineteen ninety. Okay. So it was the year I graduated college. Okay. Um, so much visual stimulation. The music in it is great. Meg Ryan plays three freaking characters She's good. in it. She's uh, really good. Tom Hanks is just at his most like doofy and yeah. vulnerable. Um, but it is a theater piece. It is it is an art house film filled with like it almost like it's it, it, it in many ways set the stage for the Wes Andersons mm. of the world, for mm -hmm. the Jean Genets mm -hmm. of the world, where Shanley was just like, I'm going to do these locked off three point like uh, shots. Uh, the dialogue, because he's a playwright, the dialogue is so quotable. I can't I, can't, I have to do more, which is the, the, the moment when he's like. Um, uh does does it take more courage to twice traverse a flaming staircase or make a one-time leap into a flaming volcano? Damned if I know, Kimosabi. But when you're making those kind of calls, you're living in the high country. Like, what? It's... What? It's cool because, like, I think Tom Hanks, especially, we he's America's dad. Yeah. He's, like... And he's yeah. great in, so, he, in a lot of those things. Yes. But I think we forget how weird 
some of his S- early summer, choices were. Yeah. Like and the he burbs, the yeah. burbs, yeah. The and money pit. Yes. And he he took and he's Bachelor funny. Party. He's and so funny. Like he's funny. He's not only and he's uh, I he's a really special kind of well, talent. Uh, in that J- Jimmy Stewart legacy way, uh he gets to do he kind of has had the chance to do almost every drama or every genre. Yes. Um, Cloud Atlas, in many ways, would be considered an action film for him, mm-hmm. as weird as it was. Mm-hmm. But how weird was that film? But then uh, Captain Phillips, like, yeah. he does he does thrillers, he does comedies, he does dramas. The guy gets to do everything. Like, growing up, because I was turned on to, there was about, uh, like, five guys that I looked to. Uh, growing up, one of them not so much anymore, and that was Woody Allen. But um, five guys. It was it was David Letterman, and this is the eighties. David Letterman, Bruce Willis in the eighties, in the Moonstruck or the Moon uh, Moonlighting and Die Hard days. Bill Murray, a hundred percent. Tom Hanks, like those were the guys that I'm like, oh, okay, that's how I want my career to be. Even though they were all vastly different. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and Han Solo sort of loomed sure. over all of that. But it's funny because I never aspired to be Harrison Ford. Mm. But I aspired to be Indiana Jones or Han Solo. Like sure. to play roles like that. Yeah. But Tom Hanks, I'm like, no, I want to be, be Tom Hanks. I want to be Bill Murray. I want to get all the roles that those guys get. Yeah. Um, uh, needless to say, I ended up playing villains. But <laughs> I look at, I will to this day view my own work and go, that I stole from Hex. Uh-huh. That I stole from Letterman. That I stole from Bill Murray. Like, I'm just I'm just cribbing from all of my heroes. Uh, Alice Costello once said, it's like, uh, you spend your life trying to be your heroes. How you mess up is your voice. Mm. Like, in the middle of all that. Yeah. How you're unable to do it is who you are. Um, but yeah, Joe versus a Volcano. If you haven't seen it, it is a pastry of a film. Yeah. And it is weird and uh, that sounds like a luggage problem. <laughs> it's just so weird and quotable. It should be a midnight movie. Yeah. With Rocky Horror-like yes. tropes that people do things yes. in. Uh, and what I'm finding, because I've recently been talking about it on Twitter, is it has a lot of love yeah. out there. It, it does is aging in this really wonderful way, um, away from the things of man. I mean, it's just a piece of poetry. Yeah, it yeah. is. That's a great choice. Yeah. Um, and before I let you go, speaking of villains, yeah, can we talk about? Oh yeah. Can we talk about yes, KP? Yes. <laughs> We're here at the scene of the crime. Can I tell the story? We literally are at the scene of the crime. Okay. Yeah. So, audience. Uh, Todd is going to be starring in Kim Possible, the movie. On the Disney Channel, February 15th. Yes. And, uh, I came to Todd's house a couple of months ago, about a year ago. It was was a year ago. Yeah. A long time ago. It was at least late. It was February. It was February, March. It yeah, was. I guess so, because then it, it was, was a couple months later that I was. Yep. Yeah, yep. So uh, I got an I got an audition for the Kim Possible movie, and I was like, Oh God, I haven't 
ever done this before and I don't know what to do. And uh, so a handful of friends pointed me in your direction and we already knew each yeah. other from, from the monkeys world, and from the, cons yes, and yes, all the things. The, from the nerd world. Yes, from nerds. Nerdosphere. And so we came, so very graciously, you said, yeah, I'll help you with the scene. Come on over. Uh-huh. And we sat in these chairs, these chairs. in this in this, this formation. And uh, we, and I handed you the sides and, I, and we were going over them and it was so fun for me to watch you get <laughs> Draken like that. I mean, yeah. you and you listen, you are obviously a working actor. You know what you're doing. You know, uh, no, you know what yourself. you're doing. They uh, believe it. It's, but a fraud. you uh, got that character and that role so quickly. And I was like, wow, yes, that is interesting. And a couple and I. I did not get the part. That's okay. It was a good she exercise. She was auditioning for the role of Shigo. Yes. So, and yeah. so, yes. And so all the scenes were with the character of Dr. Draken. And so we were playing opposite each other in this rehearsal. Yes. Getting you ready for your audition. And what happened? Then a couple months later, I, <laughs> I for whatever reason, and completely unrelated, uh, an audition for the role of Dr. Draken fell into my lap. And uh, I went in and uh, booked it. Nailed so, it. Nailed it. So, yeah, so <laughs> I ended up uh, playing Dr. Draken in the live action Kim Possible film uh, months later. No, yeah. I just, it was, it's the most fun story for me. It's fun. And, uh, and I am so excited to go to the premiere. Yeah. That's going to be so right, fun. Right but talk to me about, like, I mean, look, you, so we, we met because of um, 12, Monkeys. 12 Monkeys, and you were playing a very interesting, cool, nefarious, nefarious scary yes. character, yes. and uh, Deacon. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you said earlier, like, you ended up playing a lot of villains. I do. And here you are yeah. playing another villain. I do. But in, a different kind of way? Completely different kind of way. What was amazing is, again, coming off of four years of, uh, or four seasons, I guess, of 12 Monkeys, and everything is so kind of, uh, you know, when you're doing hour-long drama, you never talk about this mm. kind of, and it's all real close and cool and science fiction and whatnot. But, uh, but so suddenly I'm now having to literally be a live action cartoon character. And we wanted to keep it grounded because it is live action. So, you know, you you see more behind the pain of the character of the villain. And But it was still all scenery chewing. <laughs> it was all that kind of shit. It was, it was a lot of yelling and a lot of simmering and being just big broad stroke acting which is goes back to my second city theater days yeah. uh, of playing big broad comedy because sketch comedy was kind of my trajectory yeah. back in the 90s and then somehow I took a right turn into science fiction drama land uh, and this is a science fiction as well yeah. in a sense um, but it was so much fun uh, the kids are great uh uh, all due respect, the girl that played Shigo was just she's she nails it. Yes, I'm and sh- it's it's uh, and you know it's one of those things where I, uh, I I I got to then go in and read, and there were just lots of talented actresses. Yeah, but something about Taylor Ortega when she came in and she and I started improvising, and you're just like, there's just not a question. She is Shigo. Uh, I had already booked the role, and so they brought me into chemistry. That's great. All the she goes, and so they're, they're, all the actresses were great, but she was she go like she crushed it. And then to keep the chemistry, and I've seen the film, 
And they left in so many of our improvisations. That's great. Just to keep it kind of flowing and just, just even the tiniest little like throwaway look or whatever or like shared moment uh, that wasn't on the page, it's all there on the screen. And I'm very excited. And I get to bring my daughter and my son to the premiere. That was my next question. Yeah. Is... Well, my daughter got to see it too. She oh, she's already little, seen it. She gets to see a little sneak peek of... Uh, Pre VFX oh, okay. uh, screening with um, with cast. Okay. So Sadie was there, who plays Kim, and Ciara was there, who plays Athena, and Sean Giambrone, who plays uh, Ron Stoppable, was there, and we were all. And my daughter was just she's eleven, and so she was just like feeling so cool. Oh my god! Because now I finally have something that she can actually walk. <laughs> right. Where I'm not covered in blood. Yeah, twelve monkeys might be a little, 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 little intense. Too yeah, little intense. But. Uh, Yes, so I'm very excited. So that's coming out February 15th on the Disney Channel, and you and I will be attending the premiere before that. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. It was, it's such a fun little journey as yeah, like right? a little outsider yeah. kind of seeing, knowing where it started and then where it ended yeah. up. Where, where, because I coach people and I get to see sides all the time, but uh, there's occasionally where you go, oh, I get this. I get the, how this is supposed to feel. And I know, and I understood the source material. And one of my favorite stories was uh, was my buddy John DiMaggio. Uh, he originated Dragon mm. in, in the animated feature. Oh, and so or the animated series. And so I was home in my kitchen making lunch or something, and then my phone rings just after I booked the part. It says John DiMaggio, and I'm like, "Hello!" And he's, "Come buddy! Congratulations, man!" And so he just gave me his blessing, and he gave me some tidbits of how he got into the character and and uh and so of course i want to honor the source uh, and the fans expect a certain thing they want a flavor and so having johnny there as as like the the definitive version i was able to go okay that i can use that part and make sure so that you want those signifiers so that people go yeah he's he is dragon yeah he's just the live action version so cool so cool i'm so proud so excited and i can't wait to be there at the premiere uh one of my friends is a writer on the movie and um and josh kagan and uh i i am very it, it was just i actually met josh kagan when i interned at his management company oh, wow. when I first moved to Los Angeles and he um, he he stayed a friend and he and his wife are friends and uh, when that audition came through and his name was on it I was like are you what? fucking kidding <laughs> and I, I texted him immediately and I was like Josh and he's like oh my god I had perfect, you know perfect. it just the world's colliding all over yeah. it's so cool I'm so happy for all that Thank are involved you. and I uh, can't wait to go eat tacos it's a, it's a hoot right I can't wait nacho bueno I cannot wait uh-huh. alright my friend well this was a treat and Indeed. a delight Thank, Thank you. you for spending an hour with me well I get to talk about movies that makes me happy and mm-hmm. I get to do it with you which oh. makes me happy You're the best. All right, right, my friend. See you next time. Isn't that crazy, you guys? 
It could have been me as Shigo and uh, and Todd as Dr. Draken. But, you know, I think they made the right decisions all around. As much as I would have loved to have played a cartoon character come to life in the form of a villain, uh, I, I'm hopeful that that ship has not sailed and that there will be other chances in the near future. But who knows? Uh, but such a funny story. I love Todd. I'm so proud of him. Um, so proud of my friend Josh Kagan. And don't forget, Kim Possible, the movie live action is premiering on uh, the Disney Channel this Friday, February 15th. Um, this Thursday on Patreon for $5 and higher subscribers, I have a mini coming with Todd. If you've ever wondered, well, as you've heard, he's playing super villains. He is a Star Wars fan. So everybody, of course, he has an origin story. And so that's what our mini is going to be this Thursday. So if you haven't already, head over to patreon.com slash Clark Wolf. If you want to kick in some dollars, that's great. If not, you want to rate and review the show, that would be amazing. Um, share it, tell your friends, all that jazz. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for, um, uh, for, for being here and I will see you on Thursday. Bye. <laughs>